Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rents, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. just talk about your tgfbi team i had i thought that i had a bad day yesterday you did and I not jumped up. you did not i looked at i looked this morning um you did not 102 right and i i mean you're being driven by some really good pitching <laughs> it is pretty good yep i mean i'm 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 stunned stunned by the pitching i i have to say i think i mean you're executing exactly basically by the book i think well I I finally figured out the number of starters that are needed for the plan. The um, high K per inning guys who are middle and closing <laughs> to kind of to kind of have a a big base of those those guys. So the team is I the pitching is pretty good. Taylor Molly, if he can actually Tyler he had Taylor a bad day yesterday. That's a he had a bad, bad day, day, but it, he had a bad day, but. It, you know, in the context of what he's done all season, still in roto, roto wise, he's doing pretty darn good. That's the thing. You I'm still fine. Yeah, you can't you can't take your eyes off the prize, right? In roto, and be deceived by the the bad outing. Yeah, you can't be too reactionary. Yeah, he still got three point two three ERA, one point one one WHIP, one win, which is terrible. Forty one Ks. Well, I the the wins are are the current weak part of your strategy. I mean, I'm looking at this. Mm-hmm. You're you're in the meat of the distribution for innings pitched. You're in the meat of the distribution for K's, but you have mm-hmm. elite ERA whip, pretty good yep. saves, and wins are the spot, are the, are the one pitching category where I could see some improvement would seriously help you. If I had a couple guys that could get some more wins, that would be good. So the question is, do you think that, do you think, are you going to wait for some win regression, or are you going to go out and try and find guys that give you wins? I can figure out if there's a strategy that can artificially give me wins. Well, you kind of, I mean, you, you know the strategy a little bit, right? You can pick, you either pick starters or you pick vulture middle relievers on good teams and you just hope that that's going to pay off. Right. Yeah. I, I can, I can see if I can, I, I think it would be that, that one. See if I can find some middle relievers who are going to artificially get me a couple more wins rather than go for starters. Well, I mean, the nice part about finding middle relievers that get you wins is that they're cheap. Yep. I mean, if a team like if a team like Tampa Bay that doesn't have their starters go very deep, right? Mm-hmm. If you pick up, they have a ton of guys. Pick up relievers on yeah. their team. Like the wind, the winds are just going to be spread around. I mean, you could do it on any yep. team that that doesn't have starters that go very deep. The White Sox might be a good team for that. And they're not pushing. They're True. not pushing their starters very deep, and they're winning games. We had to look at the White Sox this weekend. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We did. Okay. Anyway, um, on the on the hitting side. I mean, you could you could bring these these PAs up more, I think. That is, <laughs> you say that, and um, I totally whiffed on I drops this week. All right, well, uh, do you do you want to show your copy of the book? We're we gonna do children to hear in now. Oh, I'm doing. I am also doing. What we flipped? That's what I was showing you. I am doing. I am doing the uh, 
I'm doing the old Kindle version this time. And I'm doing a real book. It's a, you know, look at this. It's a good book. It's been used. It's used. It's, it's used by me. Finding a little course. split. I like it. Mm-hmm. So, Children of Hearing. What's the what's the publication year on this? Is this 20, 2008, right? Mm-hmm. Seven. 2007. Okay. Well, you can expect some good discussion from us based on this. So, if you want to get in on it, you know, pick up your copy of Children of Hearing. Pick it up. Pick it up. Go read it. It's great. So pumped to read this again. And then and then we'll read the Fall of Gondolin, right? I mean, we're going to have to. Yeah. You'll have to. We're completists. We'll give it a month. The Children of Hearing is a tragedy, which is always up my alley. <laughs> I mean, Lord of the Rings is a, the whole thing is a, is fill, fits in the Shakespearean tragedy vein, I think. Does it? Th- no, it's a comedy. It ends in a, they succeed. Depends on whose perspective you're thinking of it from. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've, I've actually often wondered this, like it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of in the middle because there there's a bittersweet ending of Frodo sailing away to the Undying Lands. Uh, one of the existentially hardest things for me to deal with, like Tolkien, I, he's not actually a great writer. He builds yeah. this really good world and then he gives you enough to get you through it and to experience it and try to live there. It's almost by not pulling the curtain back that well, he almost makes it more interesting, the whole world of Middle-earth. Now, and that works the same way with the feeling that you get at the end of Return of the King when Frodo is going off and this whole just feeling of like, what do you do after you have done the biggest mission of your entire life? What do you fill your life with after that? Which I can imagine as someone who went off to World War One and came back. Right. That's yep. exactly how it feels. Well, today we are going to look at some projections. We're going to revisit our old projections for plate appearances, and we're going to look and see if we've stabilized it all right now and what we can learn from the current on-track values of certain guys for plate appearances and what that's going to tell us about whether we should be owning them in fantasy. So here we go. We are far enough into the season in my opinion, that it's worth asking whether guys are diverging from their projections. You're shaking your head. Why? Oh, oh, um, because I just saw Jake Cave listed. I made very few quality control cuts on this. (laughs) So, all right, fine. Let me tell you what I did. Uh, There's a new scraper, which I'm I'm actually quite happy with, which is that I'm not actually just grabbing plate appearances and mass from somewhere like Fangraphs, I'm actually pulling down the full box scores for each game and trying to keep oh boy. trying to keep track of this. This is future looking in some sense. So part of what I'm I'm hoping to do two things today. I'm hoping that we talk about specific guys that we're interested in that are okay. that their projections are different from what we expected, or their on track mm-hmm. values are different from their projections. And I'm also hoping that we can talk about what other vectors of data we want to look at or we want to correlate with plate appearances to figure out why certain things are happening. Okay. So the first thing, first things first, we have plate appearances on a per game level so we can correlate it with tons of stats. What did I do? All I did was for each guy that we forecast this year, I looked at what we input as their plate appearances and I compared it with what they're on track for given a full season. So for each guy, I 
ask how many played appearances they have right now, how many games the team that they're on has played. And so then I just scaled it, 162 divided by the number of games that the team has played. Boom, that's all we did. Pretty straightforward. Okay. And then I just looked at, well, who's 30% or greater different, either direction, up or down, from what we were originally thinking they were going to get when we evaluated them going into the season. And pretty big list, actually. Mm -hmm. Pretty surprising list. I thought 30% was going to be a pretty conservative cut. Um, but there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. I mean, the cut is Albert Pujols and Sal Perez that are both getting way more plate appearances than you'd expect. And the other direction, Jacques Peterson and Brett Gardner are both getting many fewer. These are the, the edge cases that I'm considering right now. There's, I, I kind of want to focus on the positive side here for two reasons number one is it's always more interesting to talk about who is um doing more than expected and then number two is that then we don't have to deal with the injury concerns quite as much but i would actually i i don't know because don't you think that albert pujols is projected 383 plate appearances has his late season injury baked into it okay how i should have said this a little bit differently we don't have to deal with the injury concerns quite as um, thoroughly. <laughs> the, we don't have to deal with the IL quite as thoroughly in terms of what games they missed because they were injured or were on the COVID list. It's a lot easier to be like, well, Albert Pujols, yep, he's going to have some sort of time where he's sitting for many more games and he's playing a lot this time of year because he can. <laughs> right. I think... Right. I guess I'm really interested in the guys that are projected for something like, or that are on track for something like 700 plate appearances, which I'm looking at two of these guys here near the bottom, Tommy Edmond and Adam Frazier. I I mean, I like Tommy Edmond. We, we like Tommy, Tommy Edmond. Edmund. This is a podcast that likes Tommy Edmond. And if Edmund. he is, if he can continue this, uh, we're, we're all for it. I think that we want him to. He's not really putting that much statistically he's not really putting that much up it's not like in a great year but he, he kind of i mean i actually find that surprising right because he's i the other piece of this analysis that we've done is the batting order he's batting one in a lineup that's not too bad so their typical lineup not bad not great is tommy Edmond. he's batting right ahead of paul goldschmidt and then ahead of nolan arenado it's true that if your cleanup hitter is paul de young you have a problem but you know i mean being ahead of paul goldschmidt and nolan arenado why, why isn't he racking yeah. up runs? <laughs> I that I don't understand. I don't I, I don't know how he's not already at twenty. He's on pace for eighty one runs. He should be he should be doing better than that. Yeah. But but I think so I guess my question is right. Pretty good on base percentage, even though he only has seven walks. My main meta question is this factor of the scaling that we that they're on track for relative to their projected. Should we just be multiplying our preseason values through by this? Like, is Tommy Edmond 30% more valuable than we thought he was? <laughs> no. No, we shouldn't. Okay. I mean, is Jake Cave 67% more valuable than we thought he was? <laughs> zero times 67 is zero. So, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, that checks the out. Jake, that math The works. Jake Cave one is just really sad, right? Because it says more about the guys that aren't playing than it does about 
Jade Cave. I, absolutely. No, I was looking at that one. That That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, wow, the Jade Cave is getting that many at-bats. It's not good. I feel the same. I feel the same about Jed Lowry, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, Jed Lowry, always a guy that's like, he will give you quadruple A production. Like, I, I, I kind of wish that Jed Lowry wasn't getting... 2.6 times his projected value. We we originally projected him for 226 plate appearances. He's on track for 588. That's pretty wild. Philip Evans was someone that I looked at to try to add to TGFBI. I was I, I like that he's he's getting real at bats. What do you think about the Pittsburgh lineup in general? Because Adam Frazier, right, is a guy that we've already listed here once as a guy that's on track for 700 plate appearances, batting right ahead of Philip Evans then your boy B. Reynolds, and Colin Moran. I mean, is that a bad top of the lineup? It's not good. <laughs> well, I didn't say is it. I guess the thing that I'm looking at here is that there's a weird number of pirates on this list, right? Like, Jacob Stallings is the, is the ostensible catcher for the pirates. Is this just saying, like, we had no freaking clue what was going to happen with the Pirates earlier this year. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it's saying. It's, it's saying that nobody, nobody wanted to dip their toe into um, the morass that was the Pittsburgh starting lineup and trying to figure out what it would be look like for a 162-game season. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I guess I'm also seeing, I mean, to some extent, there's also a couple Orioles on here, like Pedro Severino's on yep. here. So... Okay, so maybe there is, and Michael Taylor's on here, and I don't consider Kansas City to be that solid either. So, no, it's not a potent offense. Maybe a lot of these are really like, well, I didn't know what we were going to get out of them. Michael Franco, yeah. Shohei Otani is going to get far more at bats. Yeah, what do we think about that? I think that is pretty true. But that's, that's sort of with the Albert Pujols of there's an injury baked in there into the projections that we haven't realized yet. So there's basically two classes. There's, we didn't know what the team's lineup was going to look like at the beginning of the year. And there's the, the guys who have injury regression baked in. Well, we want to kind of remove those. Well, I mean, I think the injury regression ones we kind of want to kind of remove from consideration. And then the lineup ones are interesting, but it probably doesn't mean that much because they're on teams that don't, aren't going to produce that well, what much. About, what about Jerks and Profar? I mean, is Jerkson is Jerkson Profar a Jake Cave situation where it's like I really wish he wasn't playing? He's only playing because other guys are injured. Ah, well, I mean, is um, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting one of my favorite players, Tommy Pham? I mean, Pham isn't hurt, but he's getting his at bat stolen by Jerkson Profar. But I agree, Profar is in the Cave situation of like oof, that he has to be played that much is not really a great sign. Five stolen bases from Profar. No, I know. Pro, it's not bad. Profar's on my TGFBI team. The other guy that's on here from the Padres is Jake Cronenworth. Cronenworth, yep. Yeah. Is that good? I mean, what what should we make of Jake Cronenworth being on this? I think in a TGFBI style league, it's great. Even in like probably a 14-team league, you should be picking him up. I don't know in a 12-team that you should... Well, get, get him while he's hot, I guess, is, is the idea. So those... And then Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw. What do you think about Travis Shaw? I was interested because you used to be a believer. I still am a believer. I mean, the Milwaukee lineup is not realizing its potential right now in general. True. And I, I think I think that Travis Shaw's fortunes ebb and flow with how well Milwaukee's doing. 21 RBIs right now. That's not bad. I, I am still on the record as a, as a Travis Shaw believer. 
you, you just put yourself and just flash that card. I mean, I like I like everything that they can do at the top of the lineup. I mean, start leadoff can either be Colton Wong, Lorenzo Cain. Good, that's a not a bad leadoff choice either. They've bizarrely they have let off JBJ a few times. They kind of kind of wish they weren't doing that, but I mean. Keston Hura can bat second. Daniel Vogelbach, less excited about that. I mean, those are good people for him for him to be batting in. Yep. Christian Yelich when he's not hurt. I was I didn't really want to say that one, but I have to for completism. Oh, oh. JBJ one eighty nine average. Come on, but I mean, what, what's his what's his career average? <laughs> Two thirty seven. Yeah, a little bit of regression there. We can expect some regression. He'll get back up to two thirty. Last year he was two eighty three in fifty five games. That is wild. I just there's there's a lot of guys on the low side. Is there anyone on here? Is there anyone on here to highlight? I mean, m- almost all the guys here are injury concerns. I mean, is there is there anyone that's is there anyone that's not an injury concern that's legitimately not getting time we thought they would? I don't really think so. Oh, on the on the um, on the other yeah. end, people on the guys under. Well, sort of interesting. Jock Peterson, we know that he's. I mean, I don't know how you're projecting for 536. And I think that there's going to be some regression upwards. Timmy Anderson, injuries. What do you expect? Juan Soto, obviously Uh, injuries. I mean, most of these are injuries. Yep. Max Kepler. We just have to to assume that these are going to normalize over the course of the year, basically. Yeah, most of these guys are going to... I don't think that you can... After a month, not even not really of games. I think that the on the positive side you can start to see some trends and start can start to pick out some guys like Garrett Hampson, yeah. Travis Shaw, Austin Slater. Maybe these are guys some guys you should reconsider adding, even Philip Evans, even some of those um Pittsburgh guys. I don't think that a month into the season is enough to say that um okay, Jock Peterson is getting is only going to get 370 at bats. Or play appearances, we just throw that, throw him out. No, it, we, we still don't know. Cole Calhoun, Nomar Mazzara. Yeah, the, I mean, there are some guys that have been hit by injuries. So what? What's the product that we should, that we should make with this? I mean, I'm thinking, thinking two levels. One, is there some way? Is do, is this something that we want to track over the course of the season? Probably yes, right? Yeah. So we 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 probably want to have some tool that lets us immediately look at at least the top side guys. Um, yeah. and changes over time. So so I need to build that. I mean, I think the diagnostic image is good, the top where I've just done the plot, but we need a way to to pick out immediately from that who's on the list. And then the second question is, we basically just talked through sort of what we want to correlate it with, which is anything but injuries. <laughs> Mostly we want to try and correlate this somehow with the lineup analysis, and I'm trying to figure out if there's anything else we want to do, like teams um opponents i mean what what else can we what else is useful to look at no i think that this is bringing in the um um bringing the batting out order just showing where the guy is if we could have that number here that would be really helpful like if we know that jed lowry what is his i think and that's two numbers right what is his um average batting order and then what is his? What was his batting order hit like the last three days? Yeah, I mean, Jeff so we can sort of see like exclusively second and third in that in that A's lineup, right? That's that's what we want to know. But we want to know if that's different for Ty France 
was he at two and now he's at number eight. So we we can forecast that that's going to change directions pretty fast. Wow. Ty France has fixed it too. Amazing. Good job, Ty France. I, I, I saw a couple of Red Sox. He's on the um, Mariners. Blue Jays, he's right? He's on the Mariners. Mar- oh, Mariners. Sorry. The, whatever. The, get those teams confused. I shouldn't. Um, but they they played the Red Sox one after each other, and I bar- couldn't tell the, the two apart. <laughs> um, in terms of the names like Ty France, I was like, what, who who is this guy? Well, I mean, we, we projected him in advance for 477. I mean, on track for 660. That See, those are the differences that make a huge change in fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't draft yeah. him when you thought he was only going to get 447 plate appearances because that's no. not rosterable in a fantasy league. But when he's getting 660, he's got to be rostered. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I think that about brings us to the review session. Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson hit a grand slam for us this weekend. Wasn't what what could have been better? Wasn't it? It was like almost a check swing. It, it was slam. not. It was not a no doubter. But no Tim Anderson home run ever is. <laughs> no. You look at his spray chart. It's like, is that really a home run? Like some of them are like on the wall. You're like, how'd that go for a home? amazing? Okay. And that was what he was like. You kind of saw his reaction of being like, what happened there? <laughs> and it just pops right out of the field. He must have been like, oh, I don't know what that feels like. I know. Like. It, was, it was pretty funny. All right. Tim Anderson, 18 games, 78 plate appearances. He's got, uh, yeah, 78 plate appearances, 15 runs so far. He's got four home runs. Love that. Nine RBIs. Great ratio there. Considering that, considering that one of them is a grand slam, that's actually even more amazing. Um, 293 average, yep. five stolen bases. Obviously, that plate appearances number is the problem right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's already had an injury stint. We expect that he will have another one. I mean, mm-hmm. when he's playing, th- this is, I've just decided to be a perpetual Tim Anderson optimist. You know, I, I, I pretend like he's always on the field and I only watch those parts because he is elite on the field. He he looks pretty good in the field. He looks pretty good on the base pass, uh, base path. He is fine in the batter's box. Um, he looks like a professional baseball player. I don't. Do you think so? Because I think he looks perpetually overmatched. Like I think like he he looks surprised when things go well at the plate. Just like that, yes, like that. Um, that grand. Yeah, exactly. Well, he stands in there. He stands in there, and you're like, okay, he could be a perfect. There are players that look more ridiculous in the batter's box. I would say, I he's pretty good at. Um, he stays out until he's ready to play. That part is amazing. It's true. There's well, is that good or bad? I mean, I guess it's I guess it's good for Tim Anderson's longevity, but I agree that he always takes a few more days on the DL than you expect him to. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back, and he's. Tim Anderson. But it's it's pretty depressing. <laughs> How much more Tim Anderson could he be? None. <laughs> None more Tim Anderson. <laughs> the, I mean, the key question is, did watching Tim Anderson cause you to reevaluate anything about where he should be ranked amongst shortstops? No. So you... This was the right place to grab him. You would this still take right Corey Seager ahead of Tim Anderson. A hundred percent, yeah. But, I mean, there's no way you can drop him below Glaber Torres. 
Who's the next uh, one? On, no. Who's the next ranking on the list? I mean, I think. Yeah, are there any guys down? I mean, I would have taken Machado over him. That's for certain. That's but I. Okay. But at the same at the same time, at the same time, Mike, this is why my team is so low on stolen bases this year <laughs> in TGFBI. Right, right. Undervaluing Tim Anderson. He's undervaluing the Tim Anderson types, and like right now, I should trade Tim Anderson. I should try try to trade for Tim Anderson to get what thirty two stolen bases. What he's um, projected to well, get Tim, I mean, the season on pace. He's, He's already gotten five stolen bases, which is the same total that he got last year in a third as many plate appearances. I mean, again, you have to you have to ask the question of whether Tim Anderson is also on his injury pace right now, or whether he's whether he's overperforming his injury pace a little bit. How sad is that? He was on the ten day IL, and you have to say, "Oof, is he overperforming his?" <laughs> I mean, but his that, injury risk? that's I mean. I, I fully acknowledge the knocks against Tim Anderson, and that is, like, huge knock number one, right? Is that dude is going to be on the DL a couple times in the year. Man, he's a good player to have if you have another shortstop or if you're really good on the waiver wire. I agree with that. I mean, currently in our home league, I have him paired with Paul DeYoung. And I don't want Paul DeYoung starting, like, on a regular basis. But if I But he's cheap, and if I need to swap him in for Tim Anderson, which I did for a long stretch... That's right. okay. It works, yeah. Tim Anderson. But that's why he's here. That's why he's here. Because, yeah, the wins above, the fantasy wins above replacement is pretty high. I mean, he's, when he's, he's playing. how many of the guys on the, like, on a player raider basis, how many of the guys that we've already reviewed, excepting the, the outlier guys, how many of the guys is it going to be higher than? Like, I'm not asking you to pick which guys, but he's going to finish higher than two of the guys ahead of him right he's gonna be a top 10 shortstop i'm not even i'm not even necessarily saying necessarily saying that like i think guys below could ostensibly leapfrog him too but of the guys that we've already talked about i mean it's not it's not hard it's not hard to no i don't think i think that he's gonna end up being number 10 i think he'll leapfrog two guys ahead of him i think that he'll end up being passed by two guys i think that's that's about right okay all right then we are then we are in agreement Roughly. Eric, who are we going to talk about next week? Isaiah Kiner Falafa. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.